0: To the Metacast Crypto Corner brought to you by NAVIC. I'm your host, Nico Bori. Today, I am very excited to invite a couple of special guests to the pod. Um, they're from Magic Eden. They occupy a uniquely interesting vantage point, in my opinion at least, in the Web3 ecosystem. Uh, for those who don't know yet, uh, Magic Eden is the largest by far NFT marketplace um, on Solana. And I know that they have some pretty ambitious plans to give OpenSea a run for its money as well uh, and go cross chain. Uh, In its last round of funding, the company was valued at $1.6 billion, and it's barely a year old. So there's been some crazy growth and some really exciting um, initiatives that we're going to talk about. Um, They have in the past at least said that they are cash flow positive and profitable and have been since day one. Maybe we can get a confirmation or denial at some point in this pod, um, whether that's still true. And I know that they have about 85-90% market share, uh, depending on what day you look and what period you look over um, in Solana. So, basically, long story short, the company's come a very long way in a very short space of time. Uh, they have their fingers in a lot of pies, they do a lot of interesting things in the in the ecosystem. And so our first guest today, I'm going to introduce to you, I, I really hope I get the pronunciation correct, we practiced it at the start, Jun uh, Yin, uh, or Zed for short, we'll be calling him Zed after this. Um, welcome to the show. Yo, thanks Nico, really appreciate it, man. Uh, it's awesome. always nice to Great to have you here. All right, um, what is, uh, and we'll get to Tony in a second, but what is important in my mind to, to know is that Magic Eden actually wasn't the first um, Solana NFT marketplace. I don't think they maybe even weren't the third, um, but they very, very quickly grew to overtake the other um, marketplaces, in, in my opinion and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, it's because it's been a relentless focus on user experience, iterating, moving fast, trying different things out, uh, tweaking what's not working, um, being very public, sometimes apologizing for things, which I, I really appreciate, and being very open and transparent. And I, I think that's built a lot of trust, at least it has with me, um, and I know a lot of other devs uh, in that space as well. Um, one of the things that they've done, really interestingly, in my opinion, and are one of the best at doing so far, at least, uh, obviously things move at a million miles in crypto Twitter and in the web, world of Web3, is um, they very early on invested in gaming. And that's really what we're going to talk about here on this pod. Um, they started out, of course, helping um, all NFT projects, but game um, launch pads as well. They've got the Eating Games portal. Um, which showcases different, you know, games, um, uh, in the ecosystem. And most recently, and this is why we, we're going to get to Tony, uh, they've started investing, um, making equity investments, um, and other kinds of investments directly into, into web through gaming companies. Um, and so that's what we wanted to have Tony, Tony Zhao, on the show as well, uh, on, on, on the pod. Um, Tony came to Magic Eden from Tencent, and now he leads, uh, games investing, um, at Magic Eden. Tony, welcome to the pod. Great to have you here. Hey, thanks, Nico. Awesome. awesome. So great. All right, well, with that out of the way, uh, let's dive into the episode. So the first question I have for you is going to start basically from my thesis in my gaming career, and I'm going to just kind of see, see how you guys feel about it. So um, in my career, my main thesis has always been that whenever there's this big movement um, uh, of technology and culture, consumer culture, that kind of, changes people in in an interesting way. Uh, Gaming oftentimes emerges as a big use case for that particular kind of moment in culture, or particular use case that's emerged. So what I mean by that, uh, I got my start at Zynga. Zynga, of course, was building games on top of social networks, and it was a way for casual gamers to play in the middle of the day in the office for the first time um, and brought a lot of players who otherwise wouldn't be gamers into gaming. Mobile, of course, opened up, you know, uh, time and place, you can play anywhere, um, and you know again, unlocked new use cases, and of course gaming has grown to be the biggest use case and the biggest revenue driver, certainly, in the mobile ecosystem. And so I'd be interested to hear, and, and Anatoly is actually on the record um, as saying that he sees, you know, founder of uh, Solana, one of the founders of Solana, is on the record of saying that he sees gaming as potentially a driver of mass market adoption of blockchain. And so I'm, and I certainly believe that, otherwise I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing <laughs> as my day job. Um, do you, do you share this view? Do you see blockchain as this uniquely compelling technology that kind of opens up um, gaming to a new type of gamer? Does it open it up at all? Or, or is it the same type of gamer, but just playing in a different way? I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Zed, maybe we start with you on this one.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it, Nico. This is going to be a fun chat. No, I think we absolutely believe it, too. I mean, we wouldn't, I think, be having this conversation if, uh, if we, we also were not in this boat. The thing that we've always found very, very exciting about it is that I mean, the, the reason we started Magic Eden in the first place was because we felt like there had to be a much better way for creators, communities to interact with one another and um, drive a lot of that uh, growth in a way that we haven't seen before. That's ultimately what I think NFTs generally are about. And even if you look back at the history of crypto, it's all very, very tribal, very community-driven, uh, very, very inherently social, right? And when we started this company, we thought to ourselves, hey, like, what does this mirror? And it obviously mirrors a lot of things that we see in traditional gaming, right? Where people gather in communities, people are online a lot, um, they're having a lot of fun. And I think that's inherently very, very complementary to to what we, what we saw and what we observed with NFTs. So very naturally, I think that it makes a ton of sense that uh, game developers are some of the more experimental folks that will come and actually try the stuff, like people like yourself, Nico. So we we definitely believe this. I think the second point part of your question around what types of players will this attract, I think the early adopters will be a different type of player. We, we've already started to see this, right? The ones that have experimented with some of the more like crypto native and Web3 native games, they, that is a very, very Web3 native audience so far. And I do expect that uh, that's probably the audience that initially will drive a lot of the early adoption here. But over a, a long sort of, not even a long arc, but you know over a, a certain time horizon and we start to see more developers come and, and experiment with, with Web3 as a new business model, we expect more traditional types of games to obviously, uh, proliferate too. And that you know if that plays out well, and that hopefully is really beneficial for people like like yourself and 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 us as a marketplace, we would expect to see that that is the moment that drives a lot of mass uh, adoption into crypto and nfts. Um, but it's not necessarily like a you know crypto kind of thing or 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 a not crypto thing. It's more this is a different kind of business model for games. and um, we want to be here as a as a marketplace and a platform to be able to serve that. Uh, movement towards this new business, and we're really, really excited
0: about it. Awesome. I mean, a lot of things there resonate very strongly with me. Different kind of business model. That's one of the things that I've always always excited by. Uh, also, different kinds of game designs. You know, different types of gaming experiences are opened up because of blockchain. I mean, to, to me, at least, blockchain technologies, is, it's not necessarily about crypto at all, it's just about having a different type of tool set. To develop different kinds of experiences and unlock different kinds of economies, and of course that drive different kinds of, of revenue models. So, so great to hear we, we have a really shared view there. Um, you obviously you were very early uh, to open up gaming as a as a I don't want to call it a portal, but a, you know a use case for NFTs in your marketplace, um, and and you've been driving that since, not relentlessly, or maybe relentlessly. You drive on everything relentlessly, um, but. Um, what do you see the Magic Eden role being for gaming in this ecosystem? Obviously, NFT marketplace, launchpad, sure, those are a great place to start. Um, where, where where else does it go? Like what is your kind of vision for how does um gaming fit in with the overall Magic Eden strategy as you move forward to the next phase?
1: Yeah, for sure, it's a great question. Uh, I'll kick off, and then I think Tony might have some thoughts. I think the generally at Magic Eden, we 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 think about the market uh, as more about categories rather than. I think a lot of people think about crypto and NFTs as like what chains will you be on. We kind of think about it from like a, a category and vertical standpoint, and we've always felt that um, for a category like gaming, it requires a different kind of mindset and a different kind of product to. Uh, hopefully showcase the best of what's being built by a bunch of you know, really innovative developers. And we felt that in the early days, we should focus on basically two areas. One is collectibles, which is kind of what everyone saw was the thing that got product market fit with NFTs in the early days. And then the second thing, which we think will drive a lot of the future growth, is is in gaming. And you know, the reason we made that decision was because... Um, Number one, yeah, kind of to the to the reasons earlier around it being a very very complementary to uh, how people think already about NFTs, and we decided at a, at a very early stage to separate these things from a product standpoint too, and we felt that uh, what is the thing ultimately that that game developers are looking for if they're coming to build in Web three? There's probably two things at the highest level. One is like they want to know how to do it, <laughs> right? They need there's there's so many. It's almost like a Pandora's box of questions, right? It's like, what chain should I be on? What marketplace should I use? How do I mint an NFT? There's all these kind of questions that come flooding to the fore. And we wanted to simplify that journey, which is why we basically built, uh, first of all, like a primary market. This is the launchpad um, that you mentioned earlier. And and obviously a secondary market, which is... Um, uh, either first party on Magic Eden or something that can be white labeled, and uh, games can build their own uh, marketplace using our infrastructure. So all of these things are kind of just call it, you know, broadly in the bucket of uh, infrastructure and tools that game developers can can access via via working with Magic Eden. And this this can extend much much further beyond uh, those two things too. And I think we're we're starting to work with games a lot more deeply on uh, a bunch of other uh, integrations that require. Smart contracts and other that that power a bunch of game mechanics, right? So it sort of extends way beyond just the the marketplace. Um, that's number one. Then, then the second area I think is more around distribution mm. and magic. Even today, marketplaces are a very natural kind of um, meeting point, right? Between uh, at least from a from an NFT standpoint, between collectors and uh, creators, and the same I think is going to be very very true on the the game side in that. We think that Magic can be a very, very natural portal between players and uh, games, game studios, game developers, and this is why we sort of built out uh, from a very early stage a very, very um, you know uh, a very, very focused discovery portal that's specific for games. So, so that players can obviously discover what um, what is hopefully the best Web three uh, gaming uh, content. And then uh, they can experience it, they can play it, they can do a whole bunch of things without even necessarily buying or selling NFTs. And that's, I think, a very, very important distinction. And then secondly, it gives a way for developers to to surface uh, what they've built right, and give them discovery and give them the the, the ability to basically uh, attract users to come and try their game. Uh, So we're really excited about that. There's obviously a very, very long roadmap around this, but at the highest level, those are the two areas that I think Magic even can really play in the gaming ecosystem, when
0: it comes to Web three, yeah, distribution. You said the magic word. Um, that's one of the hardest problems that I think for all game devs right now, or any developers, any creators. You know how do you how do you get distribution? How do you get discovery? Um, there's a proliferation of of great content, and it's just oftentimes really hard to find. Um, you, you know in, in web 2 or certainly free- to play mobile gaming which is where I most recently came from um, you know there's this incredible tool stack that's exists you know you've got your analytics you got your attribution you got your UA channels you got your ad networks you've got your publishing uh, players you know yeah, there's all this this whole ecosystem that's been built out and there's absolutely and I bet you Tony's got some thoughts on this um, there's absolutely nothing really uh, so far in in the kind of blockchain web 3 enabled gaming ecosystem in fact it's kind of goes the opposite direction where there are no advertising identifiers you know there's like you can be anonymous and that's kind of part of being in web 3 is is the anon non Dgen kind of character right and so it's just a really interesting interesting that you said that because that, that is absolutely in my mind one of the biggest problems I'm gonna probe on that a little bit for actually uh, Tony do you have any thoughts on that how do you see, because you've obviously um, done a lot of games investing um, previously would love to hear your thoughts on how you see this kind of distribution um, role that Zed's talking about for magic Eden how do you see um, you know, as the games guy at Magic Eden, how do you see that evolving? That distribution challenge and and solution toolset that you guys are looking to build.
2: Yeah, um, so kind of you know jumping adding to what Z said, right? Um, what two games today you know have all the tools they need, right? On engine, like all the toolset for UA games, you know whatever they can think of, and you know people are building VR as uh, another you know hot subject of the you know metaverse, right? Um, but ultimately these guys are innovating on gameplay, right? From a web two standpoint, the tech tech is there, the engines there, everything is there, right? When they come to web three, that's not the, tr- that's not the case, right? Because all these, the, the things that they kind of have it for just end up in, in their hands, right? They focus on building quality gameplay. They don't they need to build it themselves, right? You know, they need to think about how do you build smart contract, for example, right? When back in web two, all you think about is hey, I'll just slap it on Steam, I'll take it to Apple, Google, and I'll run my backend with whatever, right? AWS, right? Um, here there's no kind of that hand holding for you, right? And we want to be a platform that really essentially, you know, burdens some of these. Uh, these you know, tasks for the game developers, right? Because ultimately for the whole industry to grow, game quality has to be on par with Web2, right? Um, and for that to happen, the game developers need to focus on making quality games yeah. and not focusing on these other stuff.
0: Yeah, hallelujah is all I say to that. I don't want to have to deal with the distribution problem, the attribution problem, the analytics problem, the UA problem. Like I just want to focus on making games, you know, building great fun content and just thinking about that and not worrying about Okay, uh, how do I, you know, do I airdrop into this wallet? Is that is that how I show an ad? Like, because that's what people are talking about. Like, you know, that's not a. It's an interesting topic to talk about, certainly. And I, I you know, I love the uh, the quirkiness of the challenge uh, in many ways. But at the same time, you know, for my day job, I just want to focus on making games. And I, I know almost all developers feel the same way. They're like, they're, they make games because they like making games, and they're good at it. Uh, They don't want to be solving all these other problems as well. So um, great to hear that you guys are thinking about this and and recognizing this as a a big problem and and a a problem that Magic Eden can play a pretty big role um, in in solving for. Um, You may have mostly answered this, but I I do want to pick on this a little bit. Um, Why did you focus on games so early on? Um, You you talked about, hey, collectibles, that made sense. That's where all the action was and and still is mostly. Um, And, you know, Gaming, yes, I agree with your thesis on that. Um, you know, at, the, at both at the high level and, and at the, the detail level. But I'm just curious, like as a as an early stage startup, again, you're barely a year old. Did you celebrate your one year birthday like a couple of months ago? Like that? I think it goes about
1: four weeks ago. Four yeah. weeks
0: ago. That's what I'm talking about. And so, you know, typically uh, people tell, you know, any investor you talk to or, or you know, ex founder, startup founder, they'll tell you, like, focus, focus, focus. It's, you've got to be relentless about that. Uh, and yet you took on gaming as is essentially an entirely different product. Um, I mean, obviously tied to the marketplace. I, I get that, but but a different product and certainly a different problem to solve. Of kind of a different customer as well. So super curious to hear. Like, why did you go so early? into gaming I'm glad you did because you know um, it's helping us uh, a ton but um, you know there was were, there, there weren't that many games at the time most of the games that were there were super early or weren't even completed most of them still aren't completed you know they're under development gaming cycles are long you know 12 18 24 months so you took a bet on gaming very early on um, without a ton of market data out there just want to pick on this a little bit further. I want to understand your thought process for why did you go so early uh, into this vertical?
1: Yeah, Nico, we're, we're the same animal, right? We both went in. <laughs> we sure. both went in, uh, very, very, very early. No, I think there's probably t- two two reasons at a high level. One is we we obviously think it's a massive massive market. Um, that that you know that, that goes without saying. I think. I think the second reason is that when we were on the journey of starting this company, uh, myself and my co-founders, we obviously talked to a lot of uh, creators that were in the ecosystem. Right? We wanted to understand what their pain points were. And we just kept running into game developers. Um, and not just any game developers, it was, it was really, really high-quality people from traditional gaming that were looking at this as a, as a massive next wave kind of opportunity. And when you see that, uh, it, it, this is the old sort of, um, you know, the, 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 the thing that VCs always say, right, it's like, fo- you got to follow where the developers are. Mm. And we really felt that and felt that very, very early. Um, and when we released Magic Eden and we released, um, you know, the Marketplace first, then, then a launch pad to help creators launch their collections, uh, I think in the first couple of months, um, maybe like 20 25% of the, the applications to use our launch pad were actually also gaming-related. And one of the first launches we did was Mini Royale Nations uh mm. back in December last year, which is uh yeah, uh, yeah, you know them, Nico, the, the amazing, amazing guys coming from traditional gaming, building yeah, free play, um, kind of like shooter, yeah, casual shooter, right? And we still just saw a lot of teams like that that wanted to use a lot of the infrastructure that we had built. And we thought to ourselves, like, hey, actually, there is a huge opportunity here because there's no other marketplace that is really trying to serve this cohort of developers, and honestly, if we believe that NFTs um, as a as a fundamental like layer or technology is going to expand rapidly over the next, you know, call it three to five years, uh, you want that technology to be adopted by uh, the largest uh, industries or verticals, and. Um, it's sort of almost like a let's put our money where our mouth is, right? We think that gaming is, is absolutely going to be a huge part of that. And if this cycle is going to, you know, that development cycle is a long cycle, 18, 24, sometimes longer months, um, we may as well start early and build, start building those relationships early and start finding ways to, to partner with them. Um, and we're very glad we did because I think, you know, I would say even now after a year, we are even more excited about it. Uh, it, it even in the bear market, um, that's generally affected crypto and many many asset classes. Um, one of the most robust categories that we see uh, still today is that developers that are building games are full steam ahead, and we we're, we're still seeing a lot a lot of appetite for them to to launch uh, NFTs. You know, obviously launch their games, and
0: um, we continue to be really really excited about it. Yeah, likewise, I wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Um, the uh, kind of latest evolution of your relationship with games and you know, kind of helping out the the gaming ecosystem is investing directly in companies. And full disclosure, um, Magic Eden is a minority investor in uh, Blockstars, which is um, a company that uh, that I'm a co-founder of. Um, what criteria are you using to evaluate gaming investments? So actually, let's take one step back. When did you make the decision that hey, we want to be making these investments directly into certain you know picking winners so to speak um, you know uh, pick, picking winners is is can be risky um and it's one of those things where if it pays off it's great and obviously you can kind of raise the entire ecosystem if it if it doesn't um you know there's a risk that I certainly don't share this with you, but there's a risk that you would be you know uh, if there are big successes, people might say, hey, you know, a marketplace is picking winners, like, is, that, is that okay? How does that feel? You must have had conversations around this internally. Uh, and I don't know the answer to this, so <laughs> I'm generally curious. Um, uh, was it an easy decision to go into, hey, we're going to make these investments in gaming, we're going to hire Tony to do this, like, he's one of the best in the business, he did it for ten cent at, at a huge scale? Or was it a controversial decision internally um, to, to start doing this? How did this evolve um, at Magic Eden as a, as a conversation?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can I can kick off and then I'll, I'll hand it to Tony to talk about sort of the, the, the thesis and how we think about it. Um, it was actually a very very easy decision to make internally because um, once we decided we wanted to serve uh, game developers, we basically laid out what are the things that that they need, right? And there's a whole spectrum of things you know around tech infra. You know, we talked about distribution. Uh, there's a bunch of product stuff around that, obviously. Um, and then obviously the, the other thing they need is that to make the transition f- for a lot of traditional um, developers in Web 2 to come across in Web 3, they also need capital to get funded. right? And we are lucky to be in a, be in a position where we're well capitalized, but we also have a very, very strong network of um, investors that we know in Web 3 uh, as well as gaming. And we thought, hey, let's, let's be a true partner for game developers and partner with them on every stage of that journey. And we may as well... Uh, start to do that at the very earliest stages, and for us, we we kind of think about it as not so much a we're not a traditional fund, uh, we're not a VC fund by any means, um, but we want to back and work with uh, developers who are who, who share the similar sort of long term thesis that we do. Um, yeah, Tony, I don't know if you want to share more. Yeah,
2: so I I wouldn't say it's much about picking winners, right? Because gaming as an industry overall is uh, is a very dynamic industry, meaning. Games of you know today, you know if you look in three years, might not be the game of you know everything changes so fast. New games are coming out, so you know kind of we want to stay relevant, right? To stay relevant, meaning we want to you know work with the creators that are like you you are building the next generation of games, right? If you look back at the products that came out during the bull market, right? Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case for the next bull market, right? Because right now developers are building. Not, not really web three native games, but they're all thinking about building web 2.5 or, you know, some elements of incorporating mass market. Right. And to do that, the gameplay itself is going to change dramatically. Right. Going from, you know, the traditional play to earn, which was invented in the last bull cycle to more, you know, to more, to a more better system where players are incentivized, right? To for the fun and games are more like game sensitive DeFi products. Um, and for us, really, you know, the the fund is not really more of a fund, right? It's more of a, hey, like a, an investment from like Magic Eden itself. It's not like a venture fund. Um, what we really want is we want to work with our partners, right? And the partners want to work with us uh, because, you know, hopefully that the solutions and tool sets we're building is going to power a lot of their pain points in the future, Right. And so that kind of deep level partnership is something that we want to be building here as a marketplace. Um obviously uh has a marketplace, right? Where you know, this you know concept of neutrality, right? I, I I I mean if you look at all the gaming marketplaces, right, there's no neutrality. Steam is a game developer, Epic is a game developer, right? So it really is just became a more of a distribution channel, really driven by strong content creation initially. I mean, the true you know, platform partner, Apple, charges an arm and leg. Uh, they just yesterday reaffirmed that it's oh, yeah. uh, 30% Sean or BTFO. So <laughs> that's their official stamp right there. They're not bulging.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll share as well. Um, when we decided to do this, I actually have to give, give credit to um, one of our investors, Sean, from, from Lightspeed. I said to her, like, hey, we're thinking about spinning this up. Um, Who's the Who's the best? Who Who should we go get to go lead this thing? And Sean said, "You should get Tony from TenSet." And uh, we met, and I thought, "This is This is the guy." So we uh, it very it felt very natural in that we had come to that internal decision ourselves to do this, and then we also happened to meet the right guy, um, and it it uh happened pretty organically. So we're very happy to be in this position.
0: Awesome! I I love that story. Um. The um, you can't invest in every company, obviously. Every gaming company, um, you must have some criteria for how you evaluate gaming invest. Maybe this is more for Tony this question, but how do you guys look at the ecosystem and say, okay, here here are you know the bets that we want to make, so to speak. You know, I get it. You're not picking winners, and I appreciate that. I think that's you're you're raising the ecosystem, and if all goes well, that's you know what we will all say, like yes, this was you know. Rising tide, lifting all boats, and you know Magic Eden playing their part in it. Um, but again, you can't invest in every company, um, even good ones I'm sure you have to pass on. So how, do, how are you guys thinking about investments? How, what criteria are you using? Do you have a framework in mind? Um, is it purely you know, content plays, i.e. what I just call good games? Um, or do you invest in picks and shovels, infrastructure, anything kind of gaming adjacent? Um, curious to hear your, your thesis around what you're looking at and how you, you pick the, the ones that you invest in.
2: Yeah, I think first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, work together, right? Uh, For us and the the gaming partners, we want to be partners, right? And the investment is not a standalone investment per se. It's a way for us to really realign our interests um, and to build that strong connections between each other. So, you know, on the content side, obviously, uh, I think I speak for all the gaming team here. And Zia has done a great job of hiring gamers uh, for the gaming team. Right, so we we all just we think that the next wave of you know what three games going to come from high quality game you know driven by high quality gameplay, right? And at the end of the day, if the game is not fun, like why would you play it, right? You know that's why I I don't view play to earn you know games as games, but more like a DeFi product. I tried it. I was I pulled an Excel spreadsheet and I was like, okay. <laughs> This is I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some do some quick math there uh, just from my finance background um, and um, I have never really done that for any other games right and uh, other every other game is me being frustrated be like oh okay I'll put some money in or be like oh I want this uh, rare skin okay buy it um, and the drive is men- mentally is very different right and I think that I think that same mental loop. Right, regardless of you know what you call web two, mobile, PC, web three, it's gonna have to be the same, right? And I'm really just looking for that same kind of mentality that has a player when I play the game, that thrill we feel, you feel, right? Um, and that's what's so exciting about gaming industry. Um, and you know, in terms of what do we really look at, right? Besides the content, right? We also look at a lot of our infrastructure partners, right? Because all, I mean, I, like as Z said, you know, we want to build these tools and infrastructure toolkits for developers, right? Uh, you know, and but other people are doing the same. I think you know, rather than you know, kind of you know, this close-walled garden approach of Web two, uh, we want to partner with you know key partners that hey, like let's speed up the process. Hey, let's build different things that we're really good at. Right? These kind of conversations. I think are really going to speed up the whole, you no, know, the, the, the infrastructure development of the whole ecosystem. Um, and you know, ultimately, right? People will say like Web three, you know, the end goal of Web three, right? The end goal of Web three is really just to convince the Web two gamers, right? Which have been very negative about the notion of NFT in you know the last two years or so. For them to be like, and you know, gamers are very, very hard to please to begin with, right? For them to come to the table and say, "Oh, this is awesome." Right, and that's when you know like you've truly built a great ecosystem
0: you know tony you've you've done games investing at a presumably a order of magnitude <laughs> um bigger check size certainly uh when when a ten cent and and obviously you know those games are are different to what what you're looking at right now um other than the the check size um what else is different about you know investing in web three gaming? And whatever we're calling it, I'm using Web 2, but I don't really mean, you know what I mean by Web 2 is like everything that's not Web 3, really. So, you know, PC, console, mobile, um, those kinds of games that are, are usually, you know, closed economy, um, you know, free to play mobile games, um, you know, or pay to acquire a game, you know, pay forty nine ninety nine on Steam or whatever. Um yep. You know what's what's different about this kind of investing in Web three, where it, you know it's much more of a, a nascent ecosystem. Um, you know the the business models are certainly less proven. You know some developers are building open economies versus closed economies and tokenizing their in game currency, and these are all exciting things and fun things to experiment with. Um, but but how do you kind of weed through that? How does that compare to investing at Tencent versus what you're doing right now at, at Magic Eden?
2: Yeah, I think. Um... The traditional gaming market is more uh, established, right? Meaning, you know, like I said, you know, what people look for is a new type of gameplay that can really, you know, for example, Battle Royale, that really kind of drove, you know, a new huge wave of, you know, consumer adoption to Epic. Um and you know, PUBG, PUBG Mobile and Call of Duty Mobile, right? And then kind of industry shifts towards that. Um I think it's for Web three, right? The exciting part about what we're where we're at right now is there's no playbook, right? There's no established market. There's no dominant players. It's just a bunch of you know hardworking, uh, creative young minds or awesome minds trying to look into the space and say like, how do we build something that has never been done before, right? You know, versus Web two, um, you know, every game has sort of like it's, it's a cycle of, like, you know, old game kind of phase, new game comes, um, and that cycle, right, is, you know, it repeats itself, right? In Web3, there's not even cycle one, right? Uh, if you ask anyone, it's like, what's a great Web3 game you play, like, to just random people on the street? I bet they probably look at you very blankly and be like, huh? If you ask them what their favorite game is, they could probably answer that question in, like, two seconds, right? So, and because then, Partly because everyone is. This is a nice thing about gaming, right? Um, everyone plays games, right? Uh, especially uh, you know kids nowadays are on Roblox or Minecraft. Mine was the Minecraft generation. Right? Each generation has its own set of games like Warcraft, Diablo, or right? Starcraft, or you know Doom for some of the older folks. Um, and that cycle, right, has it's been proven in Web two. Um, it's just you know we're trying to start a new gaming cycle here on Web three, and that's why we're building everything from scratch.
0: Yeah, that's such a great insight. I, the the notion that you have this kind of wave of creativity um, that then in- informs the next generation of game developers. Um, you know, you you start with with you know Puzzle Bobble back in the day, and then you get to uh, Bejeweled, and then you get to Candy Crush, and you know, and and it's it's there's like this this <laughs> successive waves. Of better and better games that build on top, you know, the shoulders of the giants, so to speak, yep. build on top of a very basic, simple concept, you know, which was great for its time, and then just gets evolved and evolved and evolved by developers, and, and just improved. You know, we're seeing it now on mobile with hyper-casual, we're seeing it on mobile with, uh, you know, the, the merge category of games. Like yep. There are these incredible um, evolution evolutionary, so you get a new genre, or a new uh, cycle, gaming cycle that you're talking about, Tony, and it starts Starts with something basic and simple, and then it evolves from there into something huge. Again, we haven't seen it yet. But what are the what are the most promising categories that you're seeing, Tony, or or you said like you're both looking at this space? What are you seeing that's that's most exciting to you? Uh, wh- where's the nugget of of this next cycle looking like it's coming from, or or have you seen anything yet?
2: <laughs> um, I think it's well. If I, I need the answer to that, I, I probably would go all in, right? So I, I don't, uh, but. <laughs> Well, like, I think it's going to be, right, I mean, if you look at it, the immediate term, right, people are saying, look, see car playing CCG, right, or RPG games, right, you know, people are looking at it and say, hey, what's the most practical way to integrate NFT into your games, right, that's kind of one way of thought of like, hey, you know, that, you know, it's more like a really direct match, right, of usage of NFT, Right, and the other way of thinking is like, hey, how do you, you know, use the existing Web two games, right, and start start from some, you know, foundation or existing player base, existing titles, and then try to, to you know, convert into Web three like, right, tries to make them better using Web three elements, right. That's another way of thinking, um, and some are just, you know, are thinking more like, hey, um, what if we, you know, experiment just, you know, starting from, you know, just pure Web three elements. Um, and then we kind of layer it with like some you know more gameplay focus right more uh starting from more tokenized you know that kind of economy focus i think add game elements to that as well so there are, i think it's you know there are a lot of thoughts right in, in the market um whether who whether who's right or which 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 school of thinking is going to you know end up you know winning the largest number of users and you know, the strongest number of know, community members, right? Because ultimately, um, you know, for each game in the end, there's just a core group of hardcore gamers, right? Um, and I, I, I don't know, right? Um, but I think, what I think is these groups all have in common, right, versus the previous generation, you know, earlier adapter of Web3 is they're thinking bigger, right? They're thinking more about, how do I really, because the Web3 market today is probably like this, and this is Web2, right? How do we get the, the bigger slice of the pie? How do we make this more consumer friendly? How do we interact with like real gamers, right? And I think that's like an awesome change because we're expanding the ecosystem. Um, and this is, you know, why ultimately at the end of the day, you know, what we want to do here at Magic Eden is we want to expand the Web3 gaming ecosystem,
0: I had, a, I had a a great pod a couple of weeks ago. I thought it was great. I enjoyed enjoyed the conversation with John Oswald, uh, who's the president of games at uh, Gala Games, and of course Gala is one of the big big players um, on ETH and was there pretty early. Founder is um, one of the founders is Eric Shearmeyer, who was also co founder of Zynga. Yep. Um, we had a really uh, interesting conversation around how, how do we bring the mass market to Web three gaming, um, and I'm not expecting you to have listened to that episode, but uh, cu- curious to hear your thoughts on um, what is going to bring the mass market to web three gaming? I know this is not a specific Magic Eden question, but but yeah, we're talking about web three gaming. We're talking about you know rising tide lifts all boats. We're talking about Magic Eden's role in that. Um, you know, where's is, where's is that wave of of mass market gamers coming from? We've already talked about it. Oh, it's got to be great games. They got to be fun. That's kind of table stakes. I feel like at this point, but but um, are there other tactics um, and are there things that you guys are thinking about at Magic Eden for driving that mass market adoption, getting that flywheel going? You know, with with more and more developers, better and better content, more and more users, more and more players are happy. They tell their friends. More and more developers, more money to be made. Like that flywheel needs to get going. Um, and and you know we're seeing it start, and we're all playing our, our part in, in getting that 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 going. Um, but where does that that mass market flywheel? Um, how do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I can, I can, I can kick off. I think it's very, it's like a very multifaceted yes. <laughs> solution. Uh, this is the crux of kind of what we're all working towards. But I think part of it is like product and onboarding. Part of it is obviously content, um, and then part of it is like uh, where I think our role as Magic Eden comes in. Aside from all the stuff that we've already talked about around you know infra and then distribution. It's, it's also this like notion of cross-pollinating users right and you know I, what I hope will be the case is that okay in uh, you know not not too distant future um, we'll have basically most of the as an industry I mean most of the onboarding issues kind of worked on which is the the way that someone onboards into a wallet should not be you a know, mm-hmm. seed phrase in your face right that's like definitely one thing two is that you know we shouldn't force users to Buy things out the gate. I think mm-hmm. that the experimentation we're starting to see around uh, large, sort of um, free drops of NFTs better aligns uh, player players and games um, and their incentives a lot better, right? Versus a traditional, you know, 10,000 item profile mm-hmm. picture drop, right? That doesn't feel like the right model necessarily for games. And it's cool to see that there are now, uh, we did a launch with Azra recently where they'd launched a bunch of free NFTs and these are going to be player passes. And I think that that's that's cool. We're we're really, really supportive of that. And then the third area where we fit in, I think, is there's obviously a lot of users or a lot of people that come to Magic Eden to discover uh, different kinds of NFTs today. And uh, I think one of the things that we can really help with is uh, make sure that they're also seeing and discovering um, a lot of the really cool content from a gaming standpoint and making sure that there's easy ways for them to try out and and get going in these ecosystems. And the better we can do that, the more we can kick off or help to kick off that flywheel too, which is, hey, if you're building a game, come to Magic Eden. You can uh, get a lot of the eyeballs that you need to kind of kick things going. And then after that, uh, the, the word of mouth kind of thing gets going as well, right? And that starts that initial loop. It's not the total loop. Obviously, there's a lot more kind of retention, all these different kinds of things that traditional gaming developers are pretty used to, but there is some Web3 version of that that I think is really interesting. And I think there'll be many teams that work on this, Uh, but I think those are some of the elements, at least, or building blocks that I think will be really needed to kickstart a lot of the ecosystem. But I think right now we're at the stage where a lot of this is being built out and in parallel to the content. (laughs) The content also is still being built out. So our expectation is that probably in the next six to 12 months is when things will really start to hopefully heat up and, uh, we're excited about it, not just on Solana, but on, on, on some of the other chains as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, Tony, what you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, let's use an example, right? Like for example, PUBG, right? You play, you somehow, you know, found an awesome game. Um, and you're like, this is awesome. I want to play with my friends. Right. Um, like Dee said, right, on the infrastructure side, there needs to be super easy onboarding experience for users, right? And, you know, for them to, you know, for the flywheel, the you know, organic flywheel effect to kick and that user experience is key, right? And after they they also, you know, user starts to come in, right? If you think about, like, the whole gaming journey, they need to have good backend service, good social service, right? All of these complementary product, like so, you know, Unity, Discord, Reddit, right? They all need to kind of function and, you know, really to make this a social and ultimately at the end of the day, a social and communal experience, right? So that's what we're really aiming to get at uh, with, you know, our, on the infrastructure side, right? And to make it as easy as possible for developer. But once user starts coming in, then they can, you know, then like you said, the tool sets for Web2, you know, you know that, that, that playbook that they've uh, looked at for the past 10, 15 years or so, You know, they want to use that playbook somehow, right? Or at least, you know, learn what's a new playbook. Uh, Because people look at the industry today, right? It's, and then they're, they look at their, like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I launch a game? How do I, you know, tell players about it? How do I build community, right? Like, they, these guys, like, where's the big ad channel that I can just put money into?
0: Where's the Facebook Google duopoly when you need it, right? <laughs> we, we complain about it all the time incessantly in Web 2. And now when we really need it, ah, it's missing. I want it. I know, I know. Game devs and gamers, uh, we're always complaining about something. Um, so one of the reasons I said you, you guys occupy a, uh, in the intro a unique um, vantage point in the ecosystem uh, is because now you're not just investing you know, in games, uh, you're not building tools just... you know. Um, Doing the financial investment like VCs do, of course. There's a there's a you know a number of Web three focused gaming funds, and um you know a lot of traditional VCs are are you know cutting those checks, and of course they have great teams and you know ex gamers and you know industry professionals who who understand the space really well, but they're not in the weeds, right? They're not building tools and and you know talking to the devs on every single day, and that's where why I say your position is quite unique. You know you are. The largest NFT marketplace, you're you're putting in money from the top level down, making investments, cutting checks, and then from the bottom up, you're building all these tools, you're co-developing features, you're asking developers on a daily basis, like, what would make your life better? What tools do you need? How does how can we help your particular game genre or your particular game design to 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 you know work better? And so um, the reason I say all that is um, there have to be some trends You, you mentioned a trend which i 've noticed as well a very recent trend i don 't know if it's actually we can even call it a trend yet, but you know doing free nft drops, um, treating them more as battle passes you know and not as actual like in game characters or skins um, and, and not charging people up front again i don 't know if it 's a trend yet <laughs> but uh, um, we 're you know, seeing some of that kind of nascent emergent behavior that 's different to what was certainly the the meta like six, nine, 12 months ago when it was like 10,000 um, project, you know, charge a mint and then, you know, um, those are your kind of playable characters, your skins. What other trends like that are you seeing from your unique vantage point of both looking top down and seeing a lot of different companies and then bottoms up, seeing a lot of these like individual features, you know, our, our, our audience is a, um, you know, really interested in obviously in gaming and, and web through gaming in particular. Um, and so. A, a lot of this stuff that feels like it's really in the weeds is actually really, really valuable information. Um, these like little insights like, oh, free drop, doing it as a paddle pass. Like, I'm not sure everybody even knows about that yet. And again, not sure if it's yet a trend, but it might very, very well become one. So yeah, question again, what, what are you seeing that's similar to that, those like little things that others might overlook um, yeah. that aren't like the mega trends that are relatively easy to talk about? It's the little things sometimes that are the most juicy nuggets.
1: I'll, I'll share one that's like top down and one that's like bottom up. The top down one I'll say is that we often see this dichotomy. I think between games that want to be within the EVM ecosystem, so the like kind of Ethereum and EVM compatible ecosystem, and games that um, and games that don't. So that's like one trend we're, we're kind of seeing on that front. We're seeing from a uh, from a size of developer standpoint. We're also seeing that. The really, really big ones are exploring doing everything as an entire full stack. Uh, you know, everything from the chain all the way up to yeah, everything that's end user facing. Versus, like smaller indie developers, uh, obviously wanting to use as much you know infrastructure that's already out there. Um, from a bottoms up standpoint, one thing uh, I think is really interesting is that the the last sort of six to twelve months, a lot of the the story or um, um, a problem that developers have been trying to solve has been always. It's always been very, very binary in the sense of, do I do things like really Web two, or do I do do things like fully, fully Web three? And that has always been a. I think uh, this caused a lot of consternation, right, in developers' minds, because they're they're constantly thinking about how do I, what is the best way to go to market with this thing, and do I need to go all the way Web three, which then Obviously, make some go-to-market things harder, or there's some trade-offs around it, right? One thing we're seeing now is that more more and more we're seeing this. I think Tony mentioned this before, this like 2.5 kind of model mm. where you know maybe it's minting initially, you, you know, do a big drop and it's like uh, free for everyone, right? That's all on-chain. And then um, within the game, you try and keep things off-chain. And um, for some people, that is like a philosophical kind of thing they want to avoid. So, <laughs> ideologically, they want to keep everything on chain. But for many, many practical developers, we're seeing that they may want to actually do a lot of the initial, like whether it's loot boxes or some other thing, um, it, it's all just delivered to the user off chain. And then at some point, these things get minted. Where that point is, I think is like up for debate. And I think it's going to be different depending on the gameplay but um we think that's a really interesting evolution at least in in the mindset because it sort of starts to you start to realize that there is no right way to do this kind of stuff right it's just a matter of whatever's going to work best for onboarding the user ultimately and my personal opinion we, we don't really have a view on this as like magic eden as a company my personal view um uh, and mainly because we we want we're happy to support developers whichever way they want to do it but my personal view is that basically the more that you could reduce that burden upfront for users uh, and then and then create the on-chain experiences once there's like a, a some kind of benefit or exciting moment that's the right time to do it that's like that's when the user feels the magic right and i think we haven't had many of those magical moments yet in in gaming up to this point uh, these free drops is kind of another version of that i think where Users feel like suddenly, like, oh, this is cool. Like, I just get this thing for free. Like, that's amazing. Uh, if there is more moments like that that we can create and simplify that journey, at least at the beginning, I think we'll start to see a lot more interesting uh, adoption of some of these games. Um, yeah, what do you think?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think each genre is different, right? So, kind of, you know, the magic moment, or you know, how I how games get me to buy stuff, you know, in, in Web two in traditional gaming, right? It's always be like. A out of frustration or B out of excitement, um, and I don't. I never think about the price or, uh, you know, is this like something like you know I get my money return on you know X Y Z, um, and I think so. Each I think you know for tradition the ones that are you know more practical, right? They follow the standard you know land sale or NFT sale, right? But some of the new ones, right? For example. Uh, you know, f- like for example, first-person shooter, right? How do you mon- you know, how do you create the magical moment with skins? That's a question that you know that didn't even didn't even get solved in Web Two, right? Uh, like Riot invented, uh, you know, uh, free-to-play, you know, game cosmetic monetization, and the whole industry just kind of, you know, at some point ad- copied or adopted a lot of its principle and game, you know, monetization strategy. Or when Epic invented the bat- uh, battle pass season, season pass. Right. And the whole, again, right. I think there has to be something that, you know, player feels like they get the bang out of the buck, right. If you're, you're talking, you know, you're appealing to more group of rational, more return driven folks, right. They, A, they have to believe that this project's be awesome. That's why they're supporting it. Um, but B, I mean, more importantly, is they feel like do by buying, by supporting it or buying, you know, uh, whatever assets, right. They're part of the community, right? They're part of they're part of the journey, and they're also thinking like, "Hey, like by being early, I'm like I get something out of it, right?" Whether it's you know recognition or anything, it's like a crowdfunding Kickstarter, same kind of principle, right? And then maybe later down the line, right? People can then think about at what point can you make the uh, user monetization, you know, super super awesome and, and co- coherent in a way that. It doesn't disrupt their user experience and it also adds you know just a new type of monetization system to the game developers you know what whether what that is uh, i mean I don't know i I want to uh actually i I'm very curious about it, so we'll see
0: yeah, a lot is still to be solved so um Watch the space, I guess, is is, uh, is the TLDR on that. Um, we only have a few minutes left. I know you guys have a hard stop, but uh, I'm going to ask you a very quick question about creator royalties and how they relate to gaming in particular. Um you know, there's obviously this kerfuffle going on. Uh, we realized, as a as an ecosystem, that creator royalties weren't actually enforceable on the smart contract, or at least aren't yet. I know that's and there's conversations around that. I know this is a hot topic right now. By the time this pod airs, uh, who knows what what uh, developments will have will have emerged? But I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. Um, not so much on the. The Kerfuffle, you should go watch, um, that is on the Unchained podcast, excellent, really interesting episode that was all dedicated entirely to creator royalties. So I'm not going to do that work on on this pod. We're all about gaming here after all. But I do want to hear your guys' thoughts. How do you think this matters, or does it matter for game developers, this creator royalty? Either way, so let me me give you a quick um, what I mean by that question. Um, If there are no creator royalties, at all, um, and and or they're not enforced. You know, game developers will naturally build different ways of monetizing. I mean, that's you know what game developers do. So, to me personally, as a game as a game developer, the creator royalty piece is not that interesting or not that important. I actually think it would make it worse in some ways as a game developer to have the creator royalties be um, enforced at the protocol level because that's kind of forcing. Players, payers, to like pay this tax essentially to the creator, the game developer benefits the game developer a little bit, but it feels weird as a player, um, as I'm trading assets, to be paying the game developer like a second time, if you know what I mean. So um, I'm still forming my view on this; Uh, it's evolving, um, and I'm sure it will continue to evolve. But that's really where my question is coming from. How do you think this matters, if at all, for game developers? um, If it's either not enforced at all or it's not even a thing anymore or it is enforced and it actually happens at the protocol level.
1: Yeah, this is the hot topic of the day. No uh, joke. I think it does it it ultimately does matter, but I think it's to to varying degrees depending on uh, who you talk to. That that's what makes this topic so heated or controversial is that there's no one size fits all answer whether it's in gaming or outside of gaming on the gaming side specifically, I would say that yeah I, I would echo your your views, Nico, that um, very much game developers will figure it out whether it is a different way for monetization that's one way of handling this or they figure it out in the sense of they find innovative and interesting ways to uh, enforce it right through through some sort of incentive. Right. I mean, when we when we announced the optional royalties on, on, on Magic Eden, uh, immediately we had a couple of um, studios come to us and say, "Hey, uh, is there a way for us to at least know which NFTs do not pay the royalties, and we can then change some of the things that happen in the game as a result, whether that's a carrot or a stick?" Mm. And that sort of that was within you know twelve hours of of us <laughs> making that announcement, already developer, game developers were thinking about what to do. Um, so uh, I I do think that ultimately royalties is net really good for the ecosystem. I, I really believe that. And that position has never changed on the Magic Eden side. I think that we just felt, uh, and I think a lot of people felt, a lot of the, to your point, the player side or the, the, the buyer side really felt that uh, ultimately if it's not enforceable, then there's always going to be folks that try and skirt around it. So, so this conversation around how do we enforce, what are the ways to do it? What are the ways to encourage or discourage certain behaviors? Um, how do we incentivize people to pay royalties? All that kind of stuff I think is just some product and technical innovation that has to happen. And then I, I, I think game developers are actually the, the most well-equipped to deal with it in the sense of they're already thinking about all the different ways uh, to, to run different business models and ways to um, you know incentivize users in certain ways. So um, hopefully this is something that does not cause too much disruption for for game developers. And I think based on the feedback so far, we haven't haven't seen too much of it. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't matter whether it's royalties or not. Magic Eden, you know, our hope is that we're here to effectively serve developers, creators, uh, in in whatever they, uh, it is that they want to do. So whether it's royalties or not, like. We, we're, we're happy to actually get pretty involved and make sure that that you guys have what you need to effectively uh, run 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 your game run your business etc
0: awesome, yeah yeah royalties just never felt they were like an added bonus for us, but we never thought like oh royalties that's an interesting business model for a game <laughs> um, I think for some games it, it probably can be right there's probably game designs where it actually works quite well but um but yeah, for us, it was almost like, okay, uh, I guess we'll do a 5% royalty. Like, sure, <laughs> why not? Right, kind of thing. So it, we literally spent like 30 seconds thinking about that number. It was like, what number do we want to put in there? Because like, that's what everybody does. Yeah. Like, and so I, I actually think it's interesting because we're all going to have to think a little bit harder now. So in, in my mind, this is actually a, a good thing that this is happening. Because we're all going to have to collectively figure out, okay, what are the what are the right solutions and what are the, what are the paths forward. So, um, yeah. anyway, I know you guys are out of time, so uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, said, thank you so much for coming on, Tony. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. Uh, you are welcome back anytime, um, and uh, would love to maybe follow up in this in the not too distant future on on what the Creator Royalties situation looks like and and how maybe gaming. Um, is either helping to solve it or um, is uh, impacted by by whatever the decision is to whether it's enforceable on the on the protocol level or not. So thank you and thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Awesome and a huge thank you to of course all our listeners. Uh, we will be back next week, as always, with more interviews, uh, more insights, more analysis uh, from the weird and wonderful world of Web three. Um, So until next time, friends, stay crypto-curious and feel free to send questions, guest recommendations, and comments to me. My email is nico at Novic.co and you can find me on Twitter at NicoTheFin. DMs are always open. Thank you.